Grantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum, and yes, I do have my Gatorade bottle. Thank you very much. Y'all are more excited for this Gatorade bottle than you are for me to be up here. This wasn't supposed to be a thing that, that like, was adopted to me. It just, I, I lost a water bottle, and this was, the, this was the cheapest thing that I could find that I figured nobody would steal. And then... I meant to bring a nice one up one time when I was preaching, and I couldn't find it, so I just grabbed this one, and then y'all turned it into a thing. <laughs> so now I have to have it, so blame yourself. Um, yeah, so we're in, this, uh, we're in the Hope Don't Quit series. Uh, we're really excited about this series. Um, uh, we're, we're coming up uh, on the end. You've gotten, it, you've gotten a chance to hear all of our pastors, uh, except one who will be here next week, uh, and um, so We've been talking about hope, don't quit. Uh, it's the idea that um, just uh, the, the theory of hope in general, uh, whatever that hope might look like for you, it does not quit. This story does not quit, um, uh, and, and, and there's nothing that you can do to control it. It's just God in your life, and you come in looking for one thing, but God is like, no, 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 see, see you thought that I was done, but I'm not done with you yet. Um, and, and this week, I get the, the privilege of talking about relevancy in teaching. Now, uh, whenever I, I got the, uh, the, the task of teaching, relevancy in teaching, I was talking with Pastor Corey, uh, and he said, so what direction are you going to go with relevancy? Because there's so many different directions, and there's, there's a lot, right? We could talk about relevancy in culture, right? But I'm not culturally relevant, I'm just not. Stephanie and Pastor Corey are the two people that keep me culturally relevant. So any nugget that I drop that might, you'd be like, oh, wow, that is culturally relevant. You can thank them because I don't know anything about culture. Um, you know, and, uh, but we do try, we try to be intentional with our relevancy to culture. That's why we did the series like Throwing Shade. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't think off the top of my head now. But we do, we do that kind of stuff, right? So that it can appeal to what's going on in the world. Uh, we, we also, uh, you probably don't realize this, but we also try to be relevant uh, in, in how we speak to everybody's uh, walk and their, their, their walk with Jesus as far as, you know, your tenure with Christ. How, how long have you been a Christian? How mature are you in that, in that Christian walk? Uh, for those of you that might not know, um, you know, because we have a lot of people that visit that you're like, man, I don't care about God. I just showed up because a friend invited me. Um, so whenever we talk about that idea of walk, right, whenever Jesus was on this earth, uh, his disciples, his followers literally walked with Jesus. And so for us, we, we talk about our walk as if we are actually literally following Jesus. That's what we mean by whenever we say our, our walk. And uh, we intentionally try to uh, prepare messages that meet you in, in different places of your walk. Um, you know, so I associate it kind of like going to the grocery store because I love food. Anybody else love food? Anybody love Jif peanut butter? You can buy that stuff anywhere. You can literally buy it at a gas station. I don't know what that says about Jif, but I'm sure they're making money. So, but you know, so you have some of the newer stuff in faith that's like you want it to be easy to grasp, easy to walk away with. Jif peanut butter is easy to grasp and walk away with. I've done it several times. All right. But then you also have the stuff like Budweiser wing sauce. I didn't say beer. Don't start putting stuff in my mouth. Budweiser wing sauce. Anybody had Budweiser wing sauce? If you work at Publix, show of hands. Publix, yeah. We got a couple of people working at Publix. That's the only place you can find this stuff, or Amazon, because they run the world. <laughs> but 
I don't really shop at Publix too much, um, but if I want some Budweiser wing sauce, that's where I go. I will drive the extra distance. I will walk up and down miles of aisles to find that Budweiser wing sauce because it's better. It just is. And if, if you haven't had it, you should because it'll change your life. But right, so some of, some of the stuff in our Christian walk can be like that, though, where it's like, oh, man, I've got to go the extra distance to pull this nugget out. And that's what we do um, as pastors here at Momentum. As we teach, we, we try to position stuff where it's like, man, you got some of the easy-to-grasp stuff. That's your GIF peanut butter. You got some stuff that you got to work a little bit harder to get, right? But you know if you put in the extra time and energy that you're going to pull that out, and it's going to be worth it. So you've got those different kinds of relevancies. And, and the relevancy, though, that I want to talk about today is actually more the relevancy of, of, of the supernatural God that wants to speak a message directly to you. And, and that kind of spiritual relevancy that is, it's 100% dependent upon God and, and Him choosing to speak a message. And, and it's just up to us to be willing to give it to you. And it's got to be up to you to be willing to take it home with you. And that's hard. All right, I associate it kind of, let's go back to the grocery store for a second, okay? So anybody ever go in looking for one thing in the grocery store and you come out with something completely different? All right, somebody, yelled, y'all yelled hallelujah a little bit on that. Yeah, it happens all the time. And, and for me, I love going to the grocery store with my wife. So stupid. I don't buy any of the stuff. I just go with her and I follow her around like a stalker. <laughs> like with the shopping cart. It's not that bad. But I I do love going with her and just watching her get all the food. Man, she plans all of our meals and stuff. It's one of those stupid things. I love it. And initially, early on in our marriage, I wasn't allowed to go. (laughs) That wasn't the funny part. I wasn't, I, I literally was not allowed to go because I'd be following her around and she'd have her list of stuff and I'd be like, oh, what about that? Ooh, what about that? I am, I am worse than a five-year-old at the grocery store, but I've gotten that under control, thank you to the Holy Spirit, and a budget. And so now, though, um, now there's, there's a new joke that goes around, and it's about her, not me. Now, I did ask for permission to share this. So whenever we're driving, we have three small children. We're driving to the grocery, or we're not driving to the grocery store, but we're driving, and then we realize we need milk. Or, I don't know, you name it, whatever it is, broccoli, right? If we're going to be healthy and, you know, in front of Debbie, all right? It's broccoli. Or, <laughs> or we need some broccoli. That's what we forgot today, but we're going to go get some. And so I will drop her off at the, at the door, and don't think that I'm a bad person for that. Whenever you have three children and you only need one thing, it's way easier to drop her at the door than to unload a U-Haul full of children. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah, high five right there. Yeah. Listen, here's my thought process. As I'm driving up, I'm thinking to myself, is it really going to be worth it to have all of these conversations before they get out of the van? Hey, can I take these G.I. Joes with me? No. Can I take my dog? No. Hey, why, why is that car red? I don't know. Because that's how they painted it. Well, why did they paint it that color? I don't know. Get out of the car. I can literally go in, get my stuff, come back out, have a few conversations with other people. Not that I do that. 
and get back before I get them out of the car. So I drop her off, and now the running joke is, will mommy come back with only what she went in for? So I drop her, and then we do the, anybody done this before? You start circling the parking lot? Yes, everybody in the room. You're, you're circling the parking lot. So I circle it a couple of times, a couple more times, a couple more times. I thought mommy just needed milk. She did. <laughs> and we park the car, play I Spy for an hour and a half, and then she comes out right whenever we're worried about her. Like, oh, somebody might have kidnapped her. I don't know. She got stuck in the aisle three. So, yeah, so that's what we, we all do it, though, right? We go in for one thing, and we come out with something else, a, a whole laundry list of other things. And, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of relevancy that I'm talking about this morning. It's the kind of relevancy that says, I know what I'm going through. I know, uh, I know the struggle. I know whatever I thought was bad, or I know what I came in looking for. But then God says, you know what, I know what you came in for, but I'm going to send you out with something else. That's where we're going today. And, and in order for us to wrap our minds around that, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 55. Open up to Isaiah chapter 55. And it's going to be up on the screen for those of you uh, that need it. I'm in the New American Standard Bible because it's the best. <clears throat> All right, we're going to start out here in verse 8, and it says, For as the heavens, I'm sorry, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Let me, I, you know what, I didn't do this. Let me have y'all stand for the reading of God's word, because he's worthy of respect, right? All right, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You can be seated. <clears throat> For all the emotional people in the room, y'all love that verse. For all the logical people in the room, y'all hate that verse. Because here's what, I can only speak from the logical perspective, okay? Because here's the thing, I like uh, logically serving a God that knows more than me. I do. It makes sense in my head. All right, if you're God and I'm not, then you have to be smarter than me. You have to be omniscient, omnipotent. You have to know everything, uh, be all-powerful. you you got to be everywhere, right? That makes sense. But whenever it involves my specific circumstance, I don't like that. Because now all of a sudden I'm going through this, whatever it is, and I'm thinking to myself, dang it, God, I'm okay with whatever you want to do because you're God and I'm not. But I want to know what it is that you're doing. I just want to know. And it bothers me that your ways are higher than my ways. It bothers me that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Not just because, uh, because they're higher and better and you're God and I'm not, but because I want in on the plan. Anybody feel me on that? Yeah. It reminds me, so I, so we're not going to get into a theological debate here, all right? But I pursued the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
for a long time. Uh, I was raised Baptist, uh, and you know Ross comes from a highly Pentecostal background, so I'm affectionately Bapticostal. Um, but, you know, I started, I, you know, seeing some of the stuff that I'd never seen before coming from my Baptist history, I was like, man, there's more to the Holy Spirit than I've ever been led on to believe. And so I started pursuing a, a little bit more of the things of the Spirit. And, and I'm like, man, I, I've got to wrap my head around this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because, God, I, I believe that that stuff is real, but I haven't, I haven't personally experienced it. I haven't, I haven't been a, a part of that, and, and, God, I would like to be. And so I started kind of vaguely pursuing it about 10 years ago, and nothing ever happened, nothing ever happened. And then about uh, 11 months ago, um, I, I was in a class that was all about the book of Acts, and I, I really started pursuing it heavily. As I was like, you know, God, I, and, and like I said, this isn't a theological debate as to the first evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go down that path. But I wanted that. I wanted the initial evidence of tongues. I wanted to, to experience what I had heard about uh, uh, from, other, uh, from other people, from other pastors. I wanted to know, God, what is it like? Lord, if you are real, if your Holy Spirit really wants to move in these ways, and I've read through your scriptures, and it looks like this is for everybody, but I haven't experienced it. God, what is going on? I'm pursuing it. Your word says that if I ask you for it, are you not a giver of good and perfect gifts? Will you not send it to me? I'm so mad. God, why, why can't I experience this? If it's real, I want to know it. And so for 11 months, I pursued it and pursued it and pursued it. I had discussion with pastor after discussion with pastor, and nothing happened. And then it was one Sunday in September, this past September, there was serious tragedy that happened in downtown Woodstock. And Ross got up on the platform and He's asking us to pray, and I came in to worship, and Greg Krutik, where are you at? Is Greg in here? Yeah. I was feeling terrible, man. I was feeling awful. I came in, I, I had an allergy headache, and I was coughing, and just, I was exhausted, and I was not ready, and, and Greg comes up to me in the hallway, and he's like, hey, man, you ready for worship? And I was like, not today. I am not ready. And he's like, well, buddy, we don't have time for that. Thank you, Greg. I needed that. Sometimes we don't need people to pep us up. We need people to say, hey, get your head on straight. So I come in, and I start worshiping, and then Ross gets up on the platform, and he's like, man, we need to pray. And, and I, I wasn't looking for anything. I just I was like, fine, let's pray. I, I, I have something that's deep inside of me, that I don't know what it is, but I know that I have to pray for this family with every ounce of energy that I have. And so I stood in the back, and I held hands with, with Greg and Cassie. Both of them are here this morning. Man, blesses my heart to be able to share this. I hold hands with Greg and Cassie, and I start praying. And then all of a sudden, man, the... The Holy Spirit gets a hold of me, and he baptizes me in the Spirit. I, I just start speaking in tongues. Man, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's awesome. Praise God. I didn't come in looking for that. 
Man, God, why couldn't you do that? For the 10 years I pursued it. I came in looking for you, constantly looking for you to show up, and you didn't do it. It's whenever I come in not prepared, not looking for that, all of a sudden your Holy Spirit shows up. Boom. We like his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes what we come in for is not what we leave with in the name of Jesus. Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Chapter 9. All right, so this is the story about Saul, King Saul. Well, he's not a king yet. All right, so his dad loses the donkeys because his dad's irresponsible. No, I'm joking. So they lose the donkeys. His dad sends him and a servant out with him uh, to go looking for the donkeys. And so Saul and the servant have been out for a while. They're looking uh, for the donkeys, and they have this idea, let's go up and find the seer or or the prophet Samuel. Uh, In those times, they they called him a seer. All right, so that's where we're going to pick up. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, behold, the man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall rule over my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today. And in the morning, I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And we're going to jump ahead to chapter 10. Then Samuel, this is the next morning, took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? When you go for me today, then you will find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say to you, The donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now behold, your father has ceased to be concerned about the donkeys and is anxious for you. Can you put up the previous slide for me, please? So check this out. This is what I love about Scripture. If you don't love scripture, I want you to go home and pray, God, help me love your scripture. Because there are times whenever you don't love it, you start praying that though, and and you'll start developing that love for it. So Samuel is talking to Saul here, right? What, What was Saul doing? He was out looking for his donkeys, right? Out looking for his donkeys. So he comes into town looking for his donkeys, and he finds Samuel, and Samuel says, hey, guess what? You're coming with me today, uh, and in the morning, I'll tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys, which were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. That is not one sentence. Check this out, and I will tell you all that is on your mind, period. Now, as for your donkeys, they've been found. See, this verse tells me something is going on in his mind. He was thinking about something else besides just those donkeys. It's two sentences, right? If it was one sentence, well, he's just, he's going to tell him about where his donkeys are. No, no, no. See, Saul comes in looking for his donkeys, or at least that's what he thinks. And Samuel says, I'm going to tell you all that's on your mind. As for your donkeys, don't worry about them. They've been found. See, this is, what's, this is what's interesting. Go to the next slide for me. And, and this just proves it here. 
So the next morning, Samuel took the flask of oil and poured it on his head. That was to anoint him king, kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? That's sentence one. I'll tell you all that's on your mind. See, I know because God told me that you were going to be looking for some donkeys, but you weren't just out looking for some donkeys because that whole doggone trip that you were looking for donkeys, you had your mind set on those donkeys. No, no, no. See, God told me before you ever got here a message. And you know what? Before you ever got here, God told you a message too, because the whole time you were looking for donkeys, you were really thinking about something and God knew what it was because he's omniscient. He already knew what you were thinking, even though you thought you were going to look for donkeys. But behold, I have brought you to look for the donkeys so that I could anoint you king. You came in for one thing, but you're leaving with something else. You're leaving anointed as a king. I say, I don't, I don't want you to walk away thinking that I'm, I'm saying that you know, maybe, well, God must have sent those donkeys. God must have, because in those times, man, you lose donkeys. That's a lot of money that you've lost, right? That was, that was tragic in that family. Can you imagine if all of a sudden your car got stolen? Right? That's kind of that's the same mentality. You wake up, and, and all of a sudden, this thing which is very valuable to you is now gone. And now you've got to go set out looking for it. So I'm not saying that God sent the, the donkeys away and caused this tragic moment to happen. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God could have taken those donkeys and he was looking for any opportunity that he could to speak to Saul and anoint Saul king. So he just found the first opportunity that he could to go take Saul and put him in the seer's house so that they could anoint him king the next morning. I'm not saying that God caused your mom to die, but what I am saying is that God pulled her in to live with him in his kingdom. I'm not saying that God caused your addiction, but he will be the same one that's going to see it through to victory. He didn't bring about your defeat, but he will bring about your triumph. He did not bring about your pain, but he will bring about your healing. He did not bring about your loss, but he will bring about restoration. So you came in, you came in looking for donkeys. You came in looking for donkeys, but God's sending you out with something else. Why? Because everyone needs a story of hope. We didn't invent that. God did. He knows what you're walking in with today. And he knows that he wants to send you out with something else. That's every single Sunday. That's every single day if you want it to be. Saul wasn't going to temple. Saul was going to find his lost car. Man, God cares that much. Hope, hope just don't quit. God don't quit. Let's go to Acts. It's Acts chapter 3. from the screen. That print's too small for me to read. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, 
in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us! He began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Man, every day, every day, this guy, he knew the drill. People pick him up, they bring him right outside the temple. He sits down, and he begins to beg alms. He knows the drill. He's been doing this his whole life. Whole life. He knows what, he knows what he's supposed to do. Your whole life, you've been coming to church. You know the drill. You know where to sit. You know how to raise your hands whenever it's the appropriate time. You know how to, to clap. You know how to smile. They bring him in, they set him down, and he starts to beg alms because he's comfortable. He knows the drill. Peter and John walk by, and he's expecting to get something from them. See, this is, this is the neat part. He's expecting to get something from them, right? And I think that in his heart, he understands, man, like, hey, God wants to take care of me. I, I'm crippled. I'm lame. You know, I, I, I can't walk. But you know what? Man, God provides for me. Every day these people bring me here. Ah, God loves me. Every day I beg alms. And, and you know what? He takes care of just what I need every single time. But then Peter and John walk by with the power of Jesus on their life, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and through them. And they bring heaven to earth. And they say, look at us. And he looks up. I do not possess silver and gold, but what I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And they grab him by the hand and they yank him up. And all of a sudden, what was not possible became possible in an instant because he knew every single day, I just go through the drill. I go through the motions. I know how this works. I come and I sit down. I beg alms. God takes care of me. And it's just enough for today, Lord. Just enough for today. Thank you for the miracle, God. I appreciate you getting me here. I appreciate the charity, God. I appreciate all of that. I love you, God. And God's like, I know what you came in to do today, but not today. Today something's different. Today something changes. Today you don't sit on that mat. You get up and walk. Today you don't beg alms. You go make your own alms. Today. And, and that's, that's what I love about relevancy and teaching. And, and, and I know it's, it's all about God, but can I just say that it's, it's kind of two-sided here? It's two-sided because in both of those stories, you had to have the messenger who knew what was going to happen. Man, as I was preparing for this message all week, I was like, oh, God, I don't know what you're about to do, but it's going to be awesome. 
You know, I kind of knew the scriptures, and, and Sharla asked me this morning, she's like, I'm excited to hear what you're going to say. I think it was Charlotte. And, and I was like, yeah, so am I. <laughs> so I don't know what's about to happen. But it's, it's two-sided, right? Samuel, the whole time, right? Saul is, Saul's on his way. Samuel hadn't even met him yet. Saul's on his way. And Samuel is getting this word from God, and this message from God. I'm, I'm bringing a guy to you, and he's going to need this message. And then Saul shows up. And, and he leaves anointed king. See, he ordained the messenger's message. It was a relevant message that he didn't even know he needed. And so you have, you have part A and part B. You have relevancy in teaching, and that's where we're just, we're ready to say, okay, God, however you want to teach it today. However it goes, I'm okay with it. Just make sure that you're the one speaking it. God, we see all these people pulling in. We see them pulling into the parking lot. What are you starting to say, Lord? What are you saying? There's people that are going to show up today that I didn't know we're going to be here, Lord. And yet you're still going to be relevant to them because you're all knowing. You're all powerful. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You've, prepare, you've prepared a relevant message just for them. But whenever Peter and John walk by you with this message of in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk and we grab you by the hand, it's relevancy in receiving. Get up. Take the message and run with it. You are no longer called to be crippled Christians. You are called to be relevant in this community. You are called to be relevant to this culture. You are called to be relevant to your family. You are called to be relevant to your friends, to your coworkers. You are called to have the relevancy in message like I'm called to have relevancy in teaching. Go. Take it. You no longer have to beg alms because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he's rising up. He's welling up inside of you, ready to do a mighty work, not through me, through you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 7. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So at the core of that prayer, we can find the relevance. The relevancy in teaching, the relevancy in message. Your will be done. See, in that moment, we're willing to say, God, I know that I came in looking for donkeys this morning. But not my will, 
Lord, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. You know what that means? It means ah, there's so much to teach here. In that moment, on earth as it is in heaven, it's no longer just random casting your fate to the wind. It's it's calling on the resources of heaven. We serve the almighty king. We come boldly before his throne as sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And we say, your will be done, Lord. I'm willing to execute whatever your will is. I'll step aside so that your will can be done. But here's the thing. He doesn't just randomly do stuff. He calls on his people to unite with his will. And we say, your will be done through me. So in the name of Jesus, I'm calling on the resources of heaven. I know what my circumstances look right now, but I'm calling on the resources of heaven. It doesn't have to be my will, but I need your resources. It doesn't have to be my will, but I need your resources. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, I'm okay with your relevance, Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for this room, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for your relevancy and teaching, Lord, that you have stirred in the hearts of many your Holy Spirit rising up inside of us, Lord, to execute your will here on earth just as it is in heaven. God, you've called the sick to be healed. God, you've called for addictions to be broken, for chains to be loosed, to bind up the brokenhearted. Dry up every tear. If you're here this morning, I'm going to do two things. One, if you're here this morning and you, you, don't, you don't know who Jesus is, you've, you've never prayed uh, to accept Jesus into your life, I, I want to extend this offer. You're like, man, all of this sounds good, and I need a God like that in my life. I need a God like that who knows what I'm going through before I ever do. If you need that this morning, and you've never accepted Jesus before as your Savior, I want you to raise your hand right now. I see that hand. Room, let's pray together. Repeat this after me. For, for you, if you just raised your hand, I want you to pray with me, all right? Because here's, here's what you need to understand. Scripture tells us that if you believe with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and you confess it with your mouth, then you are saved. You're going to go live with Jesus one day. 
So as I pray, all this is is the confession of your mouth. You got to believe in your heart, okay? Let's pray together. Dear God, you see me here today and you know that I need you and I know that I need you. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he is the payment for my sins. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a round of applause? Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.